0: Hmm. Recorded live. Yes, folks, we're back with lucky number 13. Yes, folks, episode number 13 of the Wrestling Debate. And let me introduce you, ladies and gentlemen, to the hottest newest, exciting debate show on Wednesday nights, the Wrestling Debate. Of course, I am your host, the Iceman, Jerry D. Usually I have two of my other colleagues, however, the Black Widow, Michelle Lindonza, of course, the phenomenal one, GTS, Gerard T. Smith, joining us, however. Mr. and Mrs. Madness at the table with me, but tonight they are not with me. They will be joining us in a little bit on Revolution 1, three eight oh five five pound. But let's give you the number here, one seven two four 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 seven four 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 four. That's seven with three fours. And the caller ID is one three nine nine two five. You can talk to me right now and uh if you want to, however, give uh, your opinion of uh, tonight's big debate. Tonight, folks, I'm going to talk to you about a moment, however, that happened back in 1988, specifically December of 1988. In the event, usually we do these shows, however, as a rewind uh, retro show, however, on our Tuesday night show, Wrestling Revisited, 139926, by the way, Pound and the number 1. You can uh, listen to that show, however. But tonight, I want to talk to you about an event that happened back in that year of December of 1988. The event was known as Super Clash. Super Clash, of course, was a uh, show that Vern Gagne, of course, started back in 1985, specifically in late September of 1985, ladies and gentlemen, to try to compete with Vince McMahon's WWF WrestleMania, and of course, Jim Crockett, later Ted Turner's uh visionary of Starrcade. By December of 1988, however, the AWA was just barely keeping their heads above the water, so to speak, and they figured, however, they would try to compete with Vince McMahon and also the Crockett, later Turner, Enterprise by throwing an event out there called Super Clash 3. Of course, the event was held at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois. It happened, oddly enough, about a week and a half, two weeks before Christmas of 1988 on a Tuesday night, if you will. Only 1,670-some people attended the show. Of course, this was the next-to-last event of the Super Clash era that the AWA, the American Wrestling Association, would held hold, if you will, of course, at the time, however, uh, the AWA, of course, would hold their final ever pay-per-view event, however, sad to say, two years later, in April of 1990. As a result, however, a lot of people uh, thought that this event, however, was the event that probably broke the AWA's back, however, if you will, referring to Gagne. And I'll tell you why this is so, however, I. Like, Take a look back right now, looking at the dates, however, and uh, the event, however, in general, and give you my opinion about the event. So, as you know, of course, the AWA was competing with the WWE and, of course, also of the NWA, if you will. But they figure, okay, we're going to try to compete with Vince McMahon. We're going to find a way to beat Vince McMahon in his own game. I mean, can we be able to keep our heads above water? Well, unfortunately on this night, however, it was not to be the case. As a result, the World Class Wrestling Association, or the WCWA, formerly World Class Championship Wrestling Promotion, along with Championship Wrestling, a.k.a. CWA, based out of Memphis, Tennessee, which at the time was bought out by Jerry the King Lawler and Jeff Jarrett's father, Jerry Jarrett, of course, tried to merge the CWA, however with the WCCW, and as a result, they did successfully by forming a group called the U.S. Wrestling Association, if you will, and as a result, a lot of people were wondering, however, how the USWA would handle it after Jerry Jarrett and Jerry the King Lawler uh, originally decided to drop their CWA territory name, however, in Memphis, however, and call themselves the USWA. But having said that, mind, we're going to talk about some of these matches and my thoughts on each match in detail. Usually, I do this on a revisited show, but I want to give you my thoughts on each match of this, and specifically this big event, if I could, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you uh, don't mind uh, me going over the card uh, with you here tonight. But uh, that being said, let's talk about what went down on this night. The first match of the night, of course. Competed of the Guerreros, Chavo Guerrero Sr., his uh, nephews Mondo and Hector, taking on Mick Foley and the Rock and Roll RPMs, better known as Mike Davis and Tommy Lane, uh, better known as Tommy Lee Jones, if you will, however. Uh, Chavo Guerrero, of course, course Chavo Sr. is still very much around today. Of course, he uh, made his pro debut in 1970, of course and retired about six years ago in 2010. Of course, he's also known as Chavo Classic. Uh, Of course, he had his nephew, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Eddie Guerrero's uh, nephew, if you will, and Chavo's uh, other nephew, if you will, at the time, compete on this show with his two brothers, of course, Mick Foley, making his, uh, I believe, pay-per-view debut here at this event. Uh, This went about six and a half minutes and change. Uh, I thought it was an okay match to start out the show. I mean, personally, I thought it could have been a little bit better, if you ask me, Uh, even though uh, it consisted of the Guerrero family tree here. However, it was still all right and somewhat fair to start out the show. Uh, Speaking of uh, the match itself, however, with uh, Jerry Jarrett's promotion, however, his son Jeff was up next, however, as he put on the world-class World Light Heavyweight Championship on, title on the line against Eric Embry. As a result, uh, the WCWA World Light Heavyweight Championship, of course, Eric Embry would hold his title five straight times. The second time he would hold it, excuse me, the fourth time he would hold it, however, oddly enough, would be on this night. Of course, he would drop the title a few weeks later to Mick Foley forking getting it back in early January of 1989, and then retiring with the belt in his hands in May of 1999. So uh, Eric Emery, of course, a five-time champion in his own right, ladies and gentlemen, of course, took on Jeff Jarrett here, and as a result, won the title for the fourth time here, defeating Jeff Jarrett in about four-plus minutes. Uh, My thoughts about this match, it wasn't great. I really thought this was one of the few disappointing matches of the night. I really thought that this matchup could have been better and I just wasn't really entertained by it whatsoever. From there, we go to next match. Of course, Jimmy Valiant, the boogie-woogie man from uh, New York City, if you will, who, of course, back in the day, of course, competed in the Crockett's organization, the National Wrestling Alliance, in the early 80s, if you will, and also in Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, if you will, as well as the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, was near the end of his career around this time, mind you. Of course, Jimmy Valiant teaming up with his legendary brother, Uh, Jimmy, excuse me, Johnny Valiant if you will, excuse me, I stand corrected Jimmy Valiant is still actually very much active to this day, I made a mistake he made his pro debut of course in 1964 uh, known as Big Jim Valiant of course he changed his name in the 70's of course to Handsome Jimmy Valiant of course, and began his career as a good guy, but then switched over to being a heel however, before going back to facing the early 80's however, with the National Wrestling Alliance of course, he was also known uh, by other names, including uh, uh, Handsome Jimmy V, uh, the Boogie Woogie Man, of course, as I mentioned, King Jimmy Valiant, and of course, Charlie Brown from Out of Town, if you will. Uh, a very unique guy, to say the least, tell our mind. And he also has a book, believe it, called out Only the Beginning, where it talks about his career, if you will, of course. He also has another book that is due out very soon called Woo, Mercy Daddy, Welcome to My Valiant, The Jimmy Valiant Story. Uh, A very unique guy, no question about it. He, of course, has had managers over the career that include guys like Lord Alfred Hayes, former WWE announcer, Captain Louis Albano, Jimmy the Mouth of the South heart, surprisingly, uh, Big Mama, and, of course, one particular guy that you'll never guess, however, ladies and gentlemen, but, yes, this is actually true, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, folks, Bobby the Weasel Heenan, believe it or not, had a chance to match the Boogie Woogie Man at at one time, believe it or not. He also feuded with guys such as Manny Fernandez, uh, Paul Jones, Um, also, I'm trying to think who other he got in the feuds with, he got the great Kabuki, if you will, of course, Uh, so Jimmy Valiant is a very unique individual, I gotta say, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I remember his... uh, demeanor when I first saw him as a youngster, how I thought he was like Michael P.S. Hayes. And he kind of looks like Michael P.S. Hayes in a way, if you will. But uh, this is a guy who I think uh, should deserve a chance to go into the WWE Hall of Fame someday. I mean, even though some people may disagree with me, I mean, how could you not disagree with this guy? I mean, even though he held the World Tag Team Championships once in the WWE a single time, he was Minute Land Champion once. Uh, he was a Southern Heavyweight Champion, record five times, as well as Tag Team Champion once with Rocky Johnson, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson's father, if you will. And he also held the Georgia Tag Team Championship once with his brother, the Johnny Valiant. Also, the Florida Tag Team Championship once, and the U.S. Tag Team Championship, Florida version once, among other belts. Uh, he is, of course... Uh, four-time World Tag Team Championship, of course, in the World Wrestling Association with his brother, and was voted in 1988 as one of the worst, uh, voted into the worst tag team with Mick McGraw back in 1987, if you will. So, uh, as we said, folks, Johnny Valiant... uh, his brother, Luscious, I almost said Luscious, Sean B. I i meant to say the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant has done it all. But this match didn't go very long, as we said. It only went 20 seconds. Pretty bad, if you ask me. And overall, just, yeah, it wasn't all that great at all, if you ask me. Okay, uh, Wayne Bloom, of course, a quick sign on him. We just want to tell you about him real quick. He, of course, competed in the WWF and WCW in the late 80s and 90s. Of course, he was trained by Brad Regans. Of course, he's six four, two sixty five. 265, better known as a sports agent. He was also a member, believe it or not, however. Uh, also uh, was in a team called the Destruction Crew at one time. So needless to say, he made quite an impact here. Okay, our next match, ladies and gentlemen, was for the WCWA World Texas Heavyweight Championship. And, of course, better known to you all as the Texas Heavyweight Championship, of course. The record holder of that belt, believe it or not, is as certain as I'm looking here right now here, as uh, I'm looking at my sheet here, who held it the most, however. But uh, long story short, however, it was the soul brother himself, folks. Yes, folks, Iron Man King, Par- Iceman King Parsons, who, uh, uh, of course, recently celebrated a birthday just about a month ago, turning 66 years old. Of course, he retired back in 2005. Of course, he began his career in the late 70s by trained, by Nick Kosick, and oddly enough, of course, uh, Parsons, better known by his real name, King Bailey Parsons, Jr., of course, started for Paul Bosch back in Houston, Texas, and then went on to uh, wrestle in the Pacific Northwest Territory for a brief time before showing up in the WCCW, if you will, aka World Class Championship Wrestling. On this night, of course, the champ did retain his match, however, and did retain victory here by winning in five and a half minutes against Brickhouse Brown. so Brickhouse Brown, of course, uh, unfortunately coming up a little short here in his effort to become the Texas Heavyweight Champion. And as a result, Iceman King Parsons retaining the match and also victory. Up next, in a very unique mixed tag team matchup, however, uh, the Top Guns, Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes, of course, along with their partner, Wendy Richter, Took on the team a Bad Company, consisting of Paul Diamond, Pat Tanaka, and Medusa Maselli, better known to you all as Medusa, if you will, With at the time managed by a young Diamond Dallas Page. Again, this went about five and a half minutes. Um, my thoughts about this match, like the match before, um, it was okay. Again, I really didn't care too much for it. I was a little surprised. That Medusa was with DDP around this time, considering they would cross paths later on down the road in WCW, as you know, of course, Diamond Dallas Page would go on to form a group in the early 90s called the Diamond Stable that consisted of uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, he became friends with both of them and uh, would remain friends with them to this day. But do so we know about her history. Of course, she at one time was known as Alundra Blaze in the WWE. Uh, of course, she also competed in All Japan's Pro Wrestling. We understand she uh, last year made it to the WWE Hall of Fame. However, she also. Had a chance to manage uh, wrestlers like Macho Man Randy Savage, Greg Hammer Valentine, Kurt Heading. She was also one time managed by a certain Paulie Dangerously, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, She would also become the AWA Women's Champion one time, as well as the WCW Cruiserweight Champion once. But uh, in WWE, of course, she became a three-time Women's Champion and was just put into the Hall of Fame, as we mentioned, a year ago. She of course was trained by the late Eddie Sharkey, who trained superstars like Rajoy and Rick Rue, Tom Zink, Bob Backlund, Jerry Lind, X Pac, Hey Sean Waltman, North John Nord, the Barbarian, Jesse the Biventure, Rick Steiner, Austin Aries, and even the Road Warriors, believe it or not. Uh also, of course, uh she was trained by Brad Regans, of course, as we mentioned, Brad Regans, a former uh Greco Roman wrestler from the nineteen seventy six and 80 Summer Olympic Games, how and also a 75 and 79 Pan-American winner who uh, was trained by Vern Gagne and Billy Robinson, two guys that who used to get in a feuds with each other a long time ago, of course, back in the day. Of course, Regans is 62 years old, still very much around. Of course, some of the train, guys he trained over the years included guys like John Bradshaw-Layfield, Brock Lesnar, surprisingly, Scott Norton, Rick Steiner, Big Van Vader, uh, Wayne Bloom, who we mentioned just a little bit ago. And uh, Brian Knobs, believe it. So uh, these two guys definitely uh, had some uh, chemistry, if you will, let's just say, in more ways than one. So there you go. Um, As a result, as I said, with the last two matches, again, it was okay. Again, it could have been and should have been better, I thought. I just really wasn't entertained by this. And overall, I thought it could have been a lot better, if you ask me. Uh, before we go on, ladies and gentlemen, let's give you the number again, one 444 7044 This is episode number 13. Yes, vote lucky number 13 here this, after, this evening here on... Uh the Wrestling Debate, I am your host, the Ice Manager Jerry Of course, usually I have my two other panels with me, Gerard T. Smith and Michelle Lynn Dodds the Black Widow. Unfortunately, they are being detained at the moment. Gerard is in the newsroom, we understand, right now. getting some big stories for us tonight that you can hear on Revolution coming up here in about 45 minutes from now at 138055-POUND. Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night we'll have a very special Wolfpack show for you, 138521. Of course, a very significant happened on that date in history tomorrow, 20 years ago, and we will let you know what it is. Uh, tomorrow night, you can be sure to listen to that at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Of course, uh, you can listen to our show again tonight at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time, as well as Friday night, as we will be back on Revolution. And the caller ID for Revolution is one three eight zero five five pound. Revolution is, uh, Wolfpack is one three eight five two one pound. If you will, of course, earlier tonight we did the Outside the Rope show, and you can listen to that show every Wednesday night beginning six thirty p.m. with Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, myself, and of course whoever else comes aboard, including the Lowdown Man himself, Kendrick Smith. Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer, the drawer, T. Smith, Michelle Lindards, the Rush Ronda, Rush Right, the Last Kicker, and Reckon, Box on our Human Suplex Machine, and Wrestling Date, Birthday Date, and Historian, who, of course, will have your dates and birthdays coming up tonight on Revolution. And whoever else decides to come on, but uh, we we're always there every Wednesday giving you the latest entertainment news, as well as movies, sports, not related to wrestling, uh, TV shows, video games, and whatnot. And the caller ID is 141387-POUND. And you can listen to us each and every Wednesday night with Outside the Ropes. Of course, we had a good show earlier times. So WCW and I talked about some of the new movies coming out this week. Of course, one of the movies we talked about, Mike and uh, his Zach and Mike, uh, Zach Efron, of course, is coming out with a very raunchy comedy this week. Uh, and, of course, another movie that for you kids, however, it looks pretty good, however, is called The Secret Life of Pets. And that'll be coming out this Friday, ladies and gentlemen, for you movie buffs. And of course next week, ladies and gentlemen, of course, the big Ghostbusters movie that everyone's talking about, starring Kristen Wig and of course Melissa McCarthy. And of course we will be talking more about that next week on Outside the Ropes, ladies and gentlemen. And that should be a very, very spirited show. Of course, also you can listen to Raw Radio every week, one three, eight, seven, four, four pound on Monday afternoons. John Rose, myself, the big Diesel Gregory, Family else comes on. We give you our wrestling dates and historians. So, of course, we also give you the news and also have a lot of fun, however, and you can listen to us every Monday, ladies and gentlemen, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The caller ID number for that show is one three eight seven four four pound. Of course, this past week we celebrated our 50th show, ladies and gentlemen. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, however, before we go on here on the Wrestling Debate, I would like to thank Mr. W. C. Chad Hinshaw, along with his two friends, Michelle Lynn Dodds, and of course... Uh, Gerard T. Smith for giving me and John a chance to do this show every Monday. Hello, it's been a great ride so far. We've had a lot of fun doing it and making you and everyone else out there proud. But mostly we want to make Chad and Michelle and Gerard proud. And if it wasn't for those three guys, I don't know what we'd be doing right now. So guys, from the bottom of my heart, I can speak with John and myself along with Greg and some of our other writers that come on from time to time. Thank you for letting us come on and letting us do the show. We've had a great time hosting it. We've enjoyed it, however, and it's been very, very fun doing it, Heller, and we hope that you continue to listen and enjoy listening to us, Heller, and also coming on and giving your opinion to our show as well. But Gerard, Michelle, and uh, Chad, I want to thank you personally, and I know John does too, for letting us uh, start this show. It's been a great ride so far, and if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know what we'd be doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you, all three of you for letting us have a chance to host Raw Radio each and every Monday. And speaking of uh, Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, uh, for this Friday, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we might have a surprise in store for the boss man himself. We don't know exactly what yet, but uh, we have heard some rumors that there could be a surprise in the works for Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw this Friday. We don't know exactly What's in the cards yet, however, we heard that this uh, coming at the end of this week, however, it's going to be a very special time for him. We understand we don't know exactly what it's all about yet, but let's just say we have heard it is going to be a very special day for the boss man this Friday. Of course, we will let you know all about that, hopefully, before the uh, night is out tonight, or if not tonight, however, we will definitely let you know in the next day or two. Okay, well, we're getting off subject here. Sorry about that, folks. I just had to get all that out. Uh, let's get back into now talking more about Super Clash 3, of course, from 1988. Of course, our next match, ladies and gentlemen, involved Ron Garvin taking on Greg Gagne, if you will. Of course, Greg Gagne, of course, <clears throat> taking on uh, Garvin, if you will, for the AWA International Television Championship. Of course, uh, Greg Gagne would hold this belt twice. The first reign, of course, happened in December of the year before in Las Vegas by defeating the late, great Adrian Adonis in a DQ in the finals of the tournament. However, Garvin, of course, however, would win the belt in September of 87, however, mind you, however, in Nashville, Tennessee, if you will. However, of course, the title was later held up by Stanley Blackburn after signing Garvin won under very controversial circumstances. Of course, um Gagne, of course, would win the belt back here on this night, however, and as a result, he won the match by count-out, but he had also signed a contract with the WWE and would not lose the match clean, however. However, he would hold this title for 292 days, the second longest reign of this belt, the first reign, of course, being 265 by Ganya, which he won in Las Vegas. The final time he won the belt, obviously, was here, of course, the belt would be retired, and Greg would retire from competition himself, oddly enough, the following October. Uh, Garvin, as we know, we know in his history, of course, he, of course, was known as the man at the hands of stone back in the day. Uh, he, of course, is still very active to this day. He stands uh, six feet tall, 240, trained by Pat Patterson. Of course, he made his pro debut in 1962, believe it or not, teaming with his brother, Terry, if you will. He also... Uh, is a former two time Mid Atlantic tag team champion as well as uh a two time Georgia tag team champion, if you will. Uh looking at some of the other accomplishments he is Dunhauer, he held the television title twice, of course, the national heavyweight championship once. He also won the NWA Worlds Heavyweight title, if you will, one time from Ric Flair, of course, losing that in uh November of nineteen eighty seven, if you will, after winning the belt in September of eighty seven in Detroit, if you will from Ric Flair in a steel cage match. Of course, he would lose the belt two months later at Starcade 87, if you will. A flare for the... Um, the excuse me, not a flare for the gold. Excuse me. That was the first K name, I should say. That was known as Shy town Heat. Uh, but overall, my thoughts about this match involving Ganya and Garvin going six months all is okay. Um, personally, I think uh, Ganya could have done uh, another three or four minutes, if you ask me. Of course, uh, Ganya has one time held the AWA World Tag Team Championship with Jumpin' Jim Runzel called the High Flyers. Uh, as you know, this past year, he and Ronsell were named the Tag Team Award by the Cauliflower Alley Club of all time. Also, PWI's Tag Team of the Year back in 1984, if you will. He also held the International TV Championship tw- twice, however. He appeared... Believe it or not, in the movie, the wrestler from 1974, believe it or not, and his wife have been married since 1978. They have three sons. We understand. Um, when he inducted his father in 2006 of April 2006, Ganya decided to get out of the business altogether. Uh, Greg, to this day, uh, as you know, is doing other projects now outside of related to wrestling, if you will. Of course, he stands. Six foot one, only 225, if you will. Of course, uh, he is 67 years old and will be 68 coming up at the end of this month. So, Ray Gagne has done it all, ladies and gentlemen, no question about it. So, there's a little history of both each man, if you will, and overall, uh, again, like I said, I thought this match could have been better and should have been better, if you ask me. So, uh, that being said, that's what I thought. Okay, uh, from there, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to our next match. It was a nine-woman lingerie battle royal. It uh, consisted of Bambi, a.k.a. Selena Majors, Peggy Lee Leather, Lori Lynn, uh, Brandi May, better known as Trudy Adams, Malibu, Nina, who, of course, would go on to be known as Ivory, Pocahontas, and Luna Fashion, Of course, two former WWE divas, however, in their own right, would be competing in this nine-woman elimination match. Um, as a result, the Syrian terrorist Tower won this match in eight and a half minutes. Uh, Peggy Lee Leather, of course, as you know, at one time was known by her other names, Lady X and Thug. Uh, she began her career, I believe, in the mid-80s and teamed up with Wendy Victor. In fact, yes, she did, Believe but by 1985, the two of them, of course, uh, would no longer be a team. As a result, Howard Leather would challenge her for the belt, but unfortunately, she did not... <laughs> win the belt whatsoever. However, she then went down to Florida Championship Wrestling and became known as Percy Lee, or Peggy Lee Pringle, the sister of Percy Pringle, formerly Paul Bear. Yes, folks, uh, Paul Bear. As a result, however, she, of course, then uh, engaged in a feud with Mad Maxine, if you will, who had been battling uh, uh, Percy, if you will, and then began working for the AWA's Percy Peggy Lee Leather and then challenged Medusa, believe it or not, for the AWA World's title. Uh, she also competed took on Bambi, of course, better known as Selena Majors. Of course, uh, Bambi, of course, began her career in 1986. Last we heard, however, uh, she got out of wrestling in 1992, however, and did not return to the scene until 2006. Among one of the wrestlers that she did manage, however, at one time was Dr. Tom Pritchard, if you will. So uh, definitely, definitely very interesting, to say the least. Of uh this variety, if you will huh and uh that being said and uh that being and that being said, like I said, folks, it was just it was it was an okay match, let's say, i mean, sorry about that i've I've been detained a little bit here, so please bear with me, uh but yeah, overall how this was an okay match. Again, I just thought that this match could have been better at Fiasco. I just really wasn't entertained by this at all. Next, of course, uh, we have our Spook camp match. Sergeant Sarr taking on Colonel De Beers. Of course, Sergeant Sarr, we know about his history. Colonel De Beers at one time, better known as uh, Edward Wazowski, the Polish Prince, or Derek Draper, six foot four, 270, built from Johannesburg, Africa, uh, he now lives in Oregon. We understand, if you will. Of course, he has been retired since two thousand and three. Uh, at one point, he also ran a wrestling school. Believe it or not, in Portland. Believe it or not, and among some of the people he managed back in the day, however, uh, had m- managed back in the day included guys like Paulie Dangerously, Classy Freddie Blassie, Diamond Dallas Page. And of course, the late Scandal or Akbar. He was also known at one time as the Mercenary. Easy Ed Wazowski and, of course, the Mongoose, Derek Draper. Uh, he also held the Pacific Northwest Heavyweight Championship twice. Five times he was a tag team champion, including three times with the late Buddy Rose, one time with Kendo Nasaki. Uh, but getting back to the beers, folks, uh, a very unique guy, no question about it. Of course, he also competed at one time, I believe, in the WWE for a brief time, if I can check my notes here. Uh, no, he did not. I was wrong. He competed in the AWA and, of course, the NWA, San Francisco, and Oregon versions, if you will. So, unfortunately, however, that is where he competed, however. And having said that... uh... So, uh, that being said, like I said, it was a very unique match. Again, referring to Sergeant Colonel De Beers, again, it was alright, but that being said, that's what I thought. Okay, uh, next, however, we have the Samoan SWAT team. Yes, folks, the Samoan SWAT team, a.k.a. the Head the team of Samoa Samu and Fatu, of course. Fatu, better known as Rikishi. Samu, of course, as you know, uh, better known to you as the Tahitian Prince, or Sammy the Silk, of course. His father, of course, is Alpha of the Wild Samoans, if you will. So you can imagine that uh, Samoan tree is quite big, to say the least. Needless to say, as all are Samoans and some of the friendliest people and most unique people, let's just say, in more ways than one. As a result, they defeated the team of Michael P.S. Hayes and his partner Steve Cox for the WCWA World Tag Team Championship here in eight minutes. Of course, the WCWA World Tag Team Championship, of course, uh, of course, was known as... uh, the world-class wrestling association tag team champions, if you will. And I'm looking to see here uh, at the time how the Smell and Swat team, of course, they would uh, hold these belts, however, uh, three straight times. The second, third time holding these belts, obviously, would occur in October of 1988. Of course, Steve Cox and Michael Hayes had won the belts on them two days prior to that in Dallas, but the Smell and Swat, Swat team excuse me, had gotten the belts back again two days later, so there you go. Um, as far as Michael Hayes and P.S. Hayes and Cox go, uh, it was an okay match. Again, it wasn't that bad. It went about seven and a half, eight minutes long. Uh, Samu, of course, we know about his history. Uh, we've mentioned Fatou in the past. Of course, the Samoan SWAT team also at one time competed in the WCW, if you will, I should say, as well as the WWE, I should say. Uh, a very unique team, to say the least. No question about it. And, of course, Samu and Fatu joined the company in 92. Of course, they would leave WCW in the summer of 1990, however, working with promotions and often teaming up with their uh, family member, uh, the late, great Yokozuna, better known as Ronnie Inoue however, the somewhat nephew of WWE former uh, world's champion Roman Reigns, if you will. So, as I said, folks, that Samoan tree is quite big, however, needless to say, and on this night, how the Simone SWAT team, the SST if you will, of Samu and Fatu showed who was boss with Buddy Roberts in their corner, if you will, of course, Buddy Roberts, of course, would also be a member at one time of the most unique, most exciting tag team out there in the world today, the Freebirds. On this night he would go up against his Freebird brother, Michael P. S. Hayes and his partner Steve Cox for the WCWA tag team titles. And as a result, they would defeat these two gentlemen. Uh, Up next, talk about two great legends here, folks, two of my favorites of all time. Chief Wahoo McDaniel taking on the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Of course, Wahoo, of course, playing football back in the day with the New York Jets, as well as the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and some other teams. Of course, Manny Fernandez, of course, we know about him, the Raging Bull back in the day. Of course, he was also a football guy at one time with the Miami Dolphins, if you will. Uh, He, of course, as you know, was uh, at one time the... NWA Brass Knuckles champion, if you will. Uh, he also came out to his own theme music, known as "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. Of course, he also teamed up with uh, Jimmy Valiant back in the day, and also feuded with uh, Michael. Uh, or excuse me, Jimmy Valiant back in the day. Uh, at one point, of course, uh, he had his career come to an end. However, after a unfortunate accident, however, mind you, in 1991, however when he competed, however, in Puerto Rico. At the time, he landed a knee drop off the top rope, however, to the midsection, however, and as a result, the impact apparently ruptured his opponent's stomach cavity, causing him to vomit blood all over the ring-off. Fernandez landed two uh, more drops, however. Uh, There have been debates to this day on whether or not that was a work or not. Some theorizing that anything came about due to real-life blood between Manny Fernandez and Jose Gonzalez, Uh, Of course, Jose Gonzalez, better known as Invader One, as you know, of course, who is now the current corporate director of World Wrestling League, a.k.a. WWL, who retired back about two years ago. Anyway, uh, at the time, the incident came between these two because at the time, Fernandez says that, they said at the time, however, that it was Gonzalez, however, was the person basically who responsible for murdering the late, great Bruiser Brody, if you will. And, of course, Bruiser Brody lived to be only 42 years old. Of course, Brody died less than a month after his 42nd birthday in an unfortunate incident, however, mind you, however. And as a result, however, uh, the incident in question occurred, however, at a shower stall in a baseball stadium in San Juan, Puerto Rico, of course, we all know the story, in case you do not know, and I'll tell you the story real quick. However, I'm reading his bio right now for into Brody's. Uh, he was in the locker room talking with Dan Spivey when suddenly Gonzalez came in and asked him to come into the shower to discuss business for the upcoming match that would be going on between him and Spivey. Brody talked to him, and then shortly thereafter, a fight began followed by two loud yells, loud enough for the entire locker room to hear. Tony Atlas, of course, ran to the locker room to hear, and shortly thereafter, Atlas then... Believe it or not, is stairs, however, saw Brody bent over and holding his stomach. It looked like uh, he might have had appendicitis, or it might have been having cramps. Instead, it was not that. Atlas then saw Gonzalez, however, holding in his knife, however, and as a result, however, he saw Gonzalez hold the knife that, unfortunately, brutally murdered and attacked uh, Brody with. As a result, due to the heavy traffic outdoors and the big crowd, the same took Paramax close to an hour to reach him. When they finally arrived, they carried Brody downstairs to a waiting ambulance, uh, Atlas, and several other wrestlers. Uh, despite the fact that Brody was a big guy in his own right, 68285, however, Paramax were unable to uh, save his life and started CPR immediately. And as a result, he shortly thereafter died. Um, talk about a guy with a heart of gold, folks. I'll tell you what. I remember watching Bruiser Brody as a youngster. I mean, I remember one time uh, watching some old footage of him back in the day in the old AWA uh, around 1986, 1987. This guy was a very, very unique guy. Of course, he had some great battles. Of course, back in the day with Bruiser, or excuse me, not Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher. Uh, he also uh, feuded with guys like Carlos Colon. Uh, he also fought with guys like Kamala. But uh, you talk about a guy who has never gotten the credit he deserves. I mean, a lot of people think that he was just uh, playing an act all the time, and it seemed like he wasn't a real gentle, sweetheart of a guy. But I've heard different accounts from people and reading interviews and watching interviews online and hearing stories online. how that was not necessarily true. He was actually one of the nicest guys to talk to in referring to Bruiser Brody. Of course, Brody was trained, of course, by the late, great Fritz von Erich. Of course, he also played at one time football with the Washington Redskins after uh, going to West Texas A&M University, then then later on known as West Texas State. Uh, but getting back to the story at hand, I'm not going to uh, get off subject again. Uh, these two guys, however, two very good guys, I thought referring to Fernandez and uh, McDaniel, and along with Brody, how if there are three guys I think, and I can talk about more guys Then I could shake a stick at how I deserve a spot in the Hall of Fame. I would put those three in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Wahoo, of course, a very, very good wrestler in his own right. Of course, he had some great battles with Ric Flair, of course. Uh, He also fought with Greg the Hammer. Valentine, as you know. He, of course, also won the Georgia Heavyweight Championship uh, twice. But it was in Mid-Atlantic where he made his splash the most. Uh, He held the NWA Tag Team titles four straight times in two of those titles were with Mark Youngblood, one was with Paul Jones. He would also hold the U.S. Heavyweight Championship five straight times, as well as the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight title record six times. Unfortunately, Brody passed away, or excuse me, not Brody, McDaniel passed away due to a very serious health scare in April 2002 at the age of 63. So uh, needless to say, the chief is thought of to this very day still is a very, very uh, unique individual, let's just say. So there you go. Uh, from there, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about now our semi-main event before we get into the main event, ladies and gentlemen. And here's what it was. Of course, we talked about this many times over on Revisited and the other shows as well. The great matchup between Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich, a great match in its own right, no question about it. It went about 19 minutes and change. Of course, Kerry, you know, of course, would win the match, and Kerry Von Erich would be forced to give up his belt of course, the only thing about this matchup that was unique, however, oddly enough, was that King never got paid for this matchup, however, mind you. I mean, he talked about many times on his DVD and in other interviews that Vern Garnier never paid him outright for that match, which I think was a bunch of crap, if you ask me. I think he should have gone and paid as well as most of these guys. Of course, Vern did not pay most of his talent here on this night. And as a result, you saw the end result when Vern basically... Uh, totally lost uh, control of the company, as well as the fans uh, turning on him again. And this time it was more uh, heat than you would think, let's just say. So as a result, these two would uh, not get along, however, referring to the fans and Vern Gagne as a result of this. And finally, in the main event, ladies and gentlemen, this was pretty much the main event, although it sounded like the semi-main event for the actual main event. It was the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Moore and Robert Gibson appearing for only one night. Taking on the Stud Stable with Robert Fuller and Jimmy Gordon. Jimmy Gordon, excuse me. And as well, this would go only seven minutes long. Of course, the Stud Stable would compete also in other federations, including uh, the Continental Wrestling Association, as well as Southeast Championship Wrestling and uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. As a result, of course, uh, they would have different versions of this from 1982 through '96. Of course, uh, this uh, version that happened '86 through '90, of course. Members included, as we mentioned, Fuller, Dutch Mantel, if you will, better known to you all as Zeb Coulter, if you will, uh, Tom Pritchard, Mick Foley, Brian Lee, of course, they are known as 411. They would also feud with guys back in the day, uh, with guys like King and Jeff Jarrett in Memphis, and also the Armstrong family and the Nightmares. Of course, the Nightmares, needless to say, uh, a very we don't know much about them, let's just say. But uh, the last time these two teams of this stable went around was in 1996. Of course, at the time, these uh, guys were in the group. However, they included guys like uh, Sid Vicious, Mick Foley, gorgeous Gary Young, Brickhouse Brown, who we mentioned before. Of course, Brickhouse Brown, better known to you as Frederick Seawright, if you will, of course, trained by the late, great Eddie Graham the somewhat father of former Florida promoter Mike Graham, if you will. So there you go, of course, uh, Brickhouse. As you know, remains inactive in the seemingly Tennessee and Missouri. He also competed in his final matches ever wrestling back in July of 1995 against Henry O. Godwin and, of course, Triple H on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, Overall, I'll be right back with you guys in just a second, so please bear with me. And we're back. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting a little bit of a rainstorm here at the studio right now as it's apparently opened up here and started to pour here in more ways than one. So we're going to be expecting some heavy rains here throughout the night here at the studio. Um, Before we go, let me just give you my thoughts about this uh, show on a scale of 1 to 10. I would have to give this show about a 3 out of 10. I mean, this was really a really crummy show, no pun intended. I mean... What made it so bad is that uh, this was pretty much the beginning of the end of the AWA as we know it. Of course, they tried to think that they would be able to compete with Vince and Croc- uh Crocketts a.k.a. the Ted Turns. As a result, however, we would see what would happen, and that was pretty much that Verne Gagne, as we said earlier in the early 80s, he began to lose the fans' respect, however, but by this time he would lose more than their respect. He would just absolutely lose the fans' interest in more ways than one. And as a result, uh he would uh find a way to just uh really unfortunately not get the fans trust anymore, and as a result, we would see the end result of it, a short time later with the AWA going out of business. I'm sorry about uh, running in and out here, times, ladies and gentlemen. Just like I said, we we're expecting some massive rain here overnight tonight, and it's going to be like this for a while, so uh, please bear with us. Okay, uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kind of cut it out a little early. I mean, as we mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't think there's not much else to discuss about this match. Again, like I said, I mean, I did mention my thoughts about this entire show from beginning to end. Um, if you want to talk about it, I mean, we'd like to hear from you right now, One seven two four 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 seventy forty four. 444 7044 Again, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we will be on again here in about 20 minutes with Wrestling Revolution. With a caller ID number 138055-POUND. Of course, uh, we will be talking about the latest news and uh, events from today, of course. A lot going down today. Of course, the Raw ratings for today were announced. And uh, those of you who are Raw fans like myself, along with the rest of our panel, including King N W Gerard T. Smith, Black Widow Michelle Lindards, uh, Mr. W.C. Chad Hinshaw, and the rest of our group. Uh, let's just say the ratings this week plummeted, and I mean really, really took a nosedive this week in more ways than one. As a result, uh, they dropped to a 1.9 this week. So uh, we thought this week's Raw would be uh, pretty good, considering it's the 4th of July and everything, and they would try to go up after having a rough time the week before with the 2-2. Uh, unfortunately, that was not the case. And despite the fact we had a pretty good 8-on-8 eight eight main event, our 16-man tag, however, the ratings really, really went downhill this week. And, I mean, they really, really sank to a 1.9. So, for you WWE fans, are hoping that the Raw ratings were good this week, well, unfortunately, they were not that good this week. Of course, a year ago at this time, they did a 2.6, and this week they go to a 1.9. So, I want to talk a little bit more about that, actually, as we... Uh, have some time now, left over here on the show here tonight, and give your thoughts as well, for people, if you want to indulge me. Um, I've said many times over, not just on this show, but all of our shows, Revolution, Wolfpack, uh, Raw Radio, Attitude Radio, whatever, uh, that they need to go back to doing two hours. I seriously think they have to. I mean, you take a look at the way the Raw brains have been the last few years, however, it just seems like more and more they keep dropping every week, whether it's two oh or two two or two one what have you. And now with this being down to a one nine this week, I think WWE fans however or just about have had it. They really have. I mean, I understand you're doing the big expansion draft coming up in a few weeks. I get that. And you want to have two people running the show, whether it's Stephanie and Shane or someone else running the show. But as I've said many times over, and I'll say this again, and I'm not afraid to sugarcoat it here either, ladies and gentlemen. However, I mean, if you're going to keep doing these three-hour shows, you better get better TV writers. Seriously, you have to. I think also you have to go back to doing what I said before time and time and time again. Just eliminate the three-hour format altogether. Seriously. I mean, if you want to keep it on, fine, but I would suggest in one of those hours you either do a pre-show warm-up by having some pretty good matches against the younger talent that don't get on TV as much, however, rarely get on TV by having them compete in matches against each other or against other people who are stuck in the same boat they are, or some of the minor talent from NXT and have them get a chance to come up and shine, guys like Bolt Dempsey, uh, Bailey, Samoa Joe, uh, Hideo Itami, and so on. If you're going to do that, fine. If you're not, shame on you. Shame on you, because I think you should. And as far as the two hours go, however, I think you've got to start doing better stuff backstage, helping better uh, vignettes backstage. Uh, better vignettes backstage and better uh, promos too because it's like every week you hear the same thing on both shows over and over and over again and I know I'm harping on this folks I mean you really just gotta find a way to just really find a way I'll be right back again ladies and gentlemen just a second I mean, I'm sorry about that again, ladies and gentlemen. Again, as I've said already a few times, and I'm going to just keep on stressing, we are getting some heavy rains here right now, so please bear with us. No, as I was saying, if you're going to get better ratings, folks, and really try to win your audience over, how you better start doing better stuff, whether it be backstage, whether it be at the announce desk, whether it be putting on better matches, because sometimes – We're seeing these same matches over and over again on a continuous weekly basis on all the shows. Not just Raw, but on SmackDown, main event, superstars, you know, what have you. And so uh, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I have to say. I mean, I would love to hear your opinion on this subject, too. Believe me. I mean, I would value your opinion very, very much here on this subject, folks. So if you feel like hitting me up, uh, hit me up right now, One seven two four 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 seventy forty four. 444 7044 call our ID number 139925-POUND right now, and you can talk to me, the ice manager at E. This is episode number 13. Um, one other thing, uh, I saw the SmackDown spoilers from uh, last night's show, which they taped in Toledo last night. Uh, we do got one good match coming up. This week, in the main event, that should be very, very entertaining. Sorry about that again, ladies and gentlemen. And it will be Sami Zayn taking on Chris Jericho. We thought also we were going to hear the big announcement about Brock Lesnar's opponent for SummerSlam that was supposed to be announced this week. Unfortunately, I guess they are going to save that announcement maybe until Monday night now, this coming next Monday in Detroit. Of course, Brock Lesnar will be fighting this week in Las Vegas at UFC 200, if you will. That should be a very, very entertaining matchup. Of course, a lot of people think Brock is going to make it look easy. I think he will as well. If you ask me. That's what what I think. He'll make it look so easy this week, if you ask me. So uh, that's what... My opinion is, I mean, this is going to be an easy fight for Rock, at least I hope it is. If not, uh, who knows what will happen. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Uh, looking at the old uh, clock here in the studio, it's about 10 minutes till. So we're going to kind of cut about 10 minutes out a little early tonight. I mean, as much as we want to. I mean, I don't know what else we could discuss. I mean, I've already got my grievances aired somewhat. And, um my thoughts about tonight's debate. I'd like to hear back from you, and hopefully you can give us feedback more on TalkShoe.com. We're here each and every Wednesday. Of course, next week we'll be back at the same time, hopefully with our panel. Uh, I will be back in a little while with Revolution, with Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw and the rest of our group, hopefully. So uh, I guess that's all we got to say right now. If you are going out tonight, however, in this weather, please be careful. Take an umbrella with you and just be safe out there. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. So... Anyway, for now, this is the Iceman. I guess we're going to say so long for now from ringside. We will talk to you again next week, same time, same place, 1724-444-7044. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, The Wrestling Debate is a talk-show production of the Radio Network for fans, by fans, and anyone in between. And as always, we are your Wrestling Debate Connection with Mr. Madness, King NWJR2, Smith and the Iceman. We will talk to you soon in the ring. Have a good night, everyone, and God bless.